Wednesday podcast for February 21. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. There are times when we feel we're not spiritual enough. God seems distant. Our faith feels cold. We go to church, but we don't read the Bible or pray from one week to the next. What's to be done? Some of us set ourselves a rigorous program, especially during Lent, perhaps rising extra early, fasting on Fridays, and following a strict code of rules. Others of us feel we need spiritual experiences. But in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23, Paul the Apostle makes some salutary observations about what we can identify as legalism, mysticism, and asceticism. He challenges us to consider who Jesus Christ really is and the perfection and completion of his necessary work for us. In verses 16 and 17, he writes, Therefore, Do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or of observing festivals, new moons or Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So to take up the question of legalism, having a rigorous calendar of saints' days and food ritual and ceremonies will not add to what Christ has done for our salvation, Paul is saying. Yes, the Old Testament had many laws and ceremonies concerning sacrifices and Sabbaths, fastings and washing. But that's all over now. Going back to that type of religious legalism is like people in the 21st century going back to the horse and buggy days of the 19th century. The Old Testament rules and regulations were shadows of the reality that was to come. Yes, we all know there's wisdom in washing before meals and having a regular break from work. But Paul is saying, don't think that by making this a legalistic ritual, you're going to be more spiritual or more godly. Spiritual legalism received its death knell when Jesus nailed it to his cross, as we read in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. In chapter 2 verses 18 and 19, Paul continues, Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions puffed up without cause by a human way of thinking, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with a growth that is from God. Which brings us to another theme that we can identify, mysticism. Oriental religions have always thought that people can penetrate the cloud that veils our view of God by participating in occult practices. But Paul says otherwise. Reciting mantras, practicing yoga, or looking for mystical experiences won't work. You lose contact with a real source of life. Mysticism, the occult, drug-induced experiences will not help us find God. Consider what Paul is saying in verses 20 through 23. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, why do you live as if you still belonged into the world? Why do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, 
referring to things which all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and doctrines. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting rigour of devotion and self-abasement and severity to the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. And there's a third theme here we can identify, asceticism. This group tries to be more spiritual through a program of self-discipline and self-denial. They fast and will eat only certain foods. Diet and physical discipline can become an obsession. But Paul is saying, severe self-discipline isn't going to help us live morally or spiritually better lives. For starters, it's a human invention. We may give the impression of being pious or wise, but it's nothing more than a self-imposed religious asceticism. So if legalism, mysticism and asceticism won't help us live better moral or spiritual lives, what will? Paul is telling us that we need to go back to the one who was the only source of true liberation, Jesus Christ. He is the solution to our longing for deeper spiritual experience. Paul was convinced the Colossian people needed to focus their thinking on Jesus. They needed to ask again, who is he? What has he done? Back in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, Paul had written, For in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness of life in him. Most people find this hard to believe, yet the evidence of Jesus' life was that he is both God and man. Think of the miracles he performed controlling nature, healing the sick, feeding thousands, even raising the dead. He didn't do these things because he was a man of great faith. He did them because he is both 100% God and 100% man. If the fullness of God dwells in Jesus, then he is all we need. To know Jesus, Paul is saying, is to have God, 100% of God, the fullness of God through His Spirit in your life. When we grasp this, then all the pseudo-ideas of spiritual life that might seem attractive will lose their appeal. When people turn away from a professed Christian faith, their decision often begins with their denial of the Incarnation and their denial of the Deity of Christ. Let me read again chapter 2. And verse 14. You who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, having cancelled the bond which stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So let me pray. Almighty God, You wonderfully created men and women in your own image and have now wonderfully rescued and restored them. Grant us, we pray, that as your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, was made in our likeness, so may we share his divine nature. We ask this through Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
John Mason is the speaker and writer of this week's podcast. The prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the opening and closing music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.